Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. I made sure that they would be everything you'd ever want in a sheet set. I started with the world's finest cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all meet. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. They come with extra wide pillowcases to fit over any pillow and extra deep pockets to fit over any mattress. Not only that, they come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. I personally guarantee that they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials for the buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All you got to do, Renegade Nation, is enter the promo code RENEGADE or call 1-800-889-6817 for these great specials. That's 1-800-889-6817. Use the promo code RENEGADE. Please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the things that go bump in the night. Frighteningly imagined creatures, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries. But I promise, all sorts of weirdness. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well, we got a quickie this week, since last week's episode was so very long, so I figured this week would do something quick and easy. All right, with that said, we will still be playing our drinking game, and as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation, as always, my darlings, is yours, so choose your poison accordingly. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say strange? That will be a single shot. And every time I say alien, that will be a double shot. Alright, now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's Dark Enigma. So, break out the tinfoil to make your best tinfoil hat, grab your laser guns, and don your best Star Wars or Star Trek uniform, whichever one you prefer, as we dive into this week's episode and a mysterious, bizarre abduction story from the island of Japan. Yes! I know, and I'm going to apologize, guys. My throat is a little bit raw today, so it's a little crackly, but I promise you I have done everything in my power to make it sound as good as it normally does, but I have a little bit of the flu, so you can thank my coworkers for catching the flu from their kids and bringing it into work. I know, right? Anyways, it's where we are. Let's just say I'm on the mend, and yay, I'm still around to give you this story. All right. Strange beliefs are rife among humans, from the anti-vaccination movement to the prominence of the Flat Earth movement, 1.6 million Facebook users saying they're going to attend a storming of Area 51, 
many of us have some pretty strange beliefs. And the reason for all this? Well, simple answer. To see them aliens. Presumed hidden by the United States government. Yeah. There are all sorts of explanations we can give for the prevalence of conspiratorial beliefs, including the makeup of our social groups and the wide access to the internet packed full of conspiratorial claims and, you know, trolls. Why might some people believe that there are aliens being hidden by the United States government? Sure, via the usual routes of one social group and internet activity, but also because many people claim to have been in contact with aliens. For some, this contact is a matter of aliens visiting their bedroom late at night. But for others, it can mean being abducted, taken aboard a spaceship, and once there, being subjected to medical experimentation, including the removal of eggs or sperm. Some abductee claims to have formed sexual relationships and produced hybrid offspring with their abductors, as well as having received important information about the fate of the Earth. The prevalence of these beliefs is, well, unknown, but estimates vary from at least several thousand worldwide, 4 to 3.7 million in the U.S. alone. And we all know my thoughts on that. It's always aliens. But if aliens are visiting and abducting thousands of us, the idea that the U.S. government might be hiding aliens in a secret military base begins to look less outlandish and more, perhaps, utterly plausible. So, why do people believe that they have been abducted by aliens when we can presume that they probably haven't? It's kind of the same way that when a tornado hits, they always seem to interview the one guy from the trailer park that has no teeth. I mean, what's that all about? Anyways. Psychologists looking to answer this question have appealed to awareness during sleep paralysis and accompanying hallucinations. During REM sleep, the sleeper is basically immobilized. And with sleep paralysis, the sleeper wakes up before the paralysis has disappeared and is aware that they are unable to hallucinate whilst experiencing sleep paralysis. Abductees report a variety of these experiences. The hallucinations may be visual, including lights, animals, strange figures, and demons, or even auditory, including heavy footsteps, humming, or buzzing noises. Several reports from abductees chime well with this explanation, and I just kind of picked one at random just to give you guys an idea. So, guess what this is. A male abductee awoke in the middle of the night, seized with panic. He was entirely paralyzed and felt electricity shooting throughout his body. He felt his energy draining away from him, and he could see several alien beings standing around his bed. Of course, not everyone who has an experience of this kind ends up believing they were abducted by aliens. It might be thought that for those that do, something is pathologically amiss. However, there is no convincing evidence for higher rates of serious psychopathology amongst abductees compared to the general population. What has been found, though, is that abductees often entertain New Age beliefs, like, for example, astral projection, foretelling the future, so on and so forth, which perhaps make them more prone to explaining their nighttime experience by appeal to alien abduction. New Age views, though, are perfectly normal, which is to say they are widespread in the healthy population, 
and not everybody that believes in crystals and psychics and all that good stuff is necessarily crazy. Although, yeah, we probably are. Whatever. What is interesting about the case of alien abduction beliefs, then, is that there are extremely bizarre and yet are formed by individuals reasoning in a perfectly normal way. It is thus a case which highlights the importance of normal range contributions to bizarre beliefs and might inform our accounts of bizarre beliefs as they occur in the clinical population. Researchers interested in explaining clinical delusions like beliefs like my mother has been replaced by an imposter, which by the way is a Capgras delusion, or I'm dead, which is the Cotard delusion, often appeal to the idea that people with delusions reason in clinically abnormal ways. However, the case of alien abduction belief teaches us that clinically abnormal reasoning need not be a part of our explanatory toolbox when we are seeking to understand why many of us believe strange things. Perhaps what is going on is perfectly normal range irrationality. So, although we may expect to learn little about aliens from the Facebook organized Area 51 rating party, which, by the way, fell apart, the existence of its participants may shed light on what is going on in clinical cases of delusion. To put it in the crudest terms, in the presence of anomalous experiences, it is normal for humans to form bizarre beliefs. The cases are prevalent, but we're only going to be looking at one such claim. And for the record, don't think that I think anybody who thinks that they've been abducted is a complete psychopath. You know what? I wasn't there, so I can't say. You get to believe what you want to believe. That is my role. So I'm not going to call you crazy. I might call you crazy about other things, but definitely not that. You're not crazy, honey. All right. So one of the weirdest alien abduction accounts there is began in the early morning hours of April 6th, 1974 in a remote farming town of Kitama in Hokkaido, Japan. On this dark morning, a farmer by the name of Yoshihiro Fujiwara was sound asleep in his bed when he was pulled from his dreams by the sudden pounding of someone at his door and his dogs barking and howling outside. Considering his was a fairly isolated farmstead in the middle of, well, basically nowhere, it was odd indeed to get visitors at three in the morning. And the rather annoyed Fujiwara at first thought it was merely some kids playing a game. Although three o'clock in the morning, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that's where my mind goes first. My mind goes to, okay, there's a killer outside the door, and I probably shouldn't answer it, but you know that's me. There would have been no reason in this safe little hamlet to think that it was anything else other than a prank. And as, as he trudged to the door, to fling it open to a sight that would change him forever. And so would begin one of the most flat-out, bizarre, and controversial alien encounter reports that Japan has ever seen. There standing in the chilly early morning darkness was a diminutive three-foot-tall being dressed in a clear one-piece suit that seemed to be made of transparent vinyl. And the thing itself was only passingly humanoid, resembling what the witness would later call a combination of starfish and human, with four tentacle-like appendages, a bulbous head reminiscent of an octopus clad in a blue helmet, slanted eyes, and a strange V-shaped set of nostrils, the whole of it covered with mottled brown and slimy, bumpy, toad-like skin, and resting on two of its stalk-like limbs and rounded nubs for feet. 
It was completely silent and motionless, except for its weird conical helmet had antenna jutting from it, which generated a visible electrical humming charge that ominously rippled through the air. So I'm going to pause for a moment because I think we all know why I picked this story. Yes, it was the tentacle-like appendages. You know I love my tentacles. Can't help it. All right. The startled farmer and this anomalous being stood there for several moments, merely staring at one another, perhaps each as surprised as the other, before that strange, frozen moment in time was shattered by a sudden movement from the creature as it flicked one of its tendrils to point up towards the sky. This was followed by a ray of blinding light that washed over everything, generating a profound heat that sent the frightened farmer reeling back into his house to slam the door shut. A quick look outside showed that the brilliant orange-colored light was emanating from an illuminated disc-like craft that measured around 26 feet across and was apparently shooting off beams of orange light. Well, if that's not crazy enough, I mean, come on, there's got to be more to this, right? Of course, there is. Stick with me. If Fujiwara thought he was safe merely gawking from his window at this outlandish sight, well, pff, he was wrong. As he suddenly felt his feet being pulled forward by some inexplicable force. At first, he was merely dragged across the floor, much to his amazement. But he, then he allegedly began to hover before finally being levitated fully off the ground to go flying out of the window and towards the inscrutable floating disk with its scintillating beams of light. He was drawn faster and faster towards the object, seemingly on a collision course. But rather than smack against its metallic side, he found himself being drawn through its walls to be dumped upon the floor of the craft. Because, you know, when the little dude knocking on your door says, dude, you want to go for a ride? And you don't answer him and slam the door in his face? Yeah, he's just going to make you go for a ride. I'm with it. Anyways, the interior of the craft was described as being bright blue, with some sort of writing on the walls that the farmer could not fathom, and the whole of it all overlaid with a repulsive stink that made him feel lightheaded. Well, I'm just going to say, first off, if you're going to be an alien race to come and abduct me, your spaceship better be clean, and if it smells like animals, dude, don't come for me. I'm just saying. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. It was then that two creatures identical to the one that had freaked him out on his doorstep approached him to tell him telepathically, No danger, we promise to release you at your home. Okay, well that's good to hear. As peaceful as this sounded, the two entities nevertheless made to grab him and forcefully hold him down, upon which Fujiwara felt the fear left him and his survival instinct take over, tearing away and dashing through an open hatchway to go careening through the air to the ground below, which lucky for him was only about 10 feet. Fujiwara vaguely recognized that he was around two miles from where he had left and went running wildly toward the house of a person that he knew in the area who eventually let him in, although they probably thought he was crazy. It was at their house that he would realize that a full hour had passed, even though to him it seemed that it had been mere moments since he had been taken aboard the strange craft by its odd octopod inhabitants. Although the experience had been baffling, and not just a little bit terrifying, Fujiwara was at least relieved that it was over, and he quietly went back to his home to try and find some way to get over what had just happened. Little did he know at the time that it, well, wasn't quite over yet, because 
It never is. The very next evening, Fujiwara was sitting alone in his home, his thoughts no doubt wandering back to those strange tentacled dwarves and their otherworldly craft. When he was suddenly overcome with a sharp pain warming its ways through his ears and fingertips, he felt himself slipping into a daze and for some reason his hands took on a life of their own and began to scrawl strange letters onto a piece of paper of their own volition. I'm going to pause for a second here because how many people think that a cross between like Lovecraft and J.R.R. Tolkien would be just awesome like tentacle dwarfs? I'm just saying. Anyways, okay. So he's writing or automatic writing. He's not really writing. His fingers are. This was all followed by a voice that reverberated through his skull which commanded him, when the disc lands on the mountain, you will come and board by yourself which was accompanied by a potent vision of the area that they wished him to come to, left blazing in his mind. After that, the pain abruptly left, leaving Fujiwara there shaken and with bizarre hieroglyphics etched onto paper by his hand, but the meanings of which he just didn't know. The farmer took the voice's command as being the nearby Nikoro mountain, and although he was still frightened by his ordeal, he felt a compulsion to go there to see what would happen. Which, as we all know, anybody who's watched a horror movie, probably not a good idea, dude. Anyways, to this end, he gathered up some supplies and two companions to join him, and they set out, unsure of what awaited them up on that lonely peak. Fujiwara apparently then made his way alone to the area he had seen in his vision, where there awaited that same luminous disc-shaped craft, and he boarded it without a fight. Once aboard, the aliens then supposedly took him on a flight into space, flying around the moon and around the earth twice, all within the space of an hour. When they returned from their dizzying journey, the farmer then lost consciousness, after which he was apparently just left lying there on the mountainside for his friends to find. Okay, I'm just going to say, first of all, he got on the craft of his own volition, and all he gets is like a tour around the park? I mean, come on, give me something better than just a trip around the moon. Alright, anyways... This wasn't the end of it at all, as Fujiwara would claim that the last trip had left him with strange telekinetic powers that allowed him to move objects and bend spoons, and he was telepathically invited on yet another excursion on April 13, 1974. This time, the bizarre beings took him on a journey that went around the planet Jupiter, as well as the moon of Saturn, Titan, where one of the creatures would allegedly go out to retrieve a rock from the surface as a souvenir for him to keep. Because, you know, if you get a tour of the whole solar system, you should at least get a souvenir. I'm just saying. This mysterious rock would go on to prove to be rather controversial indeed. It was sent to scientists for analysis, but came back as just one of the many common rocks from a Kitama cave, which brought a fair amount of ridicule down on Fujiwara and his astounding tale. In the meantime, the farmer would begin to address himself as the earthly representative of the Summon Call Space Union. And he claimed that his telepathic powers increased exponentially, allowing him to levitate objects, predict catastrophes, and even teleport across vast dis distances, of which he would say, and I quote, I can teleport to a star 250 million light years away in six minutes. My role is delaying natural disasters such as earthquakes and eruptions, end quote. Well, 
I'm just going to say it for the record. He's fallen down on that one a little bit, but okay. He would also claim that he could actually travel within the earth to stop volcanic eruptions and pull together tectonic plates to prevent earthquakes. It is all totally bizarre to say the very least, but one Japanese UFO researcher by the name of Ninichi Arai has offered evidence that there was something to this when he found that several other locals who did not know Fujiwara also reported strange, seeing strange lights in the skies during the same time frame. And there were others who claimed to have been first-hand witnesses to the farmer's mental powers, somewhat corroborating his weird little story. Was this all the doing of entities from another world, or merely the tripping of balls? Because I'm opting for that second one. I'm thinking he was high as a kite. What was he a farmer of, is my question. Is there anything to this account, or is Fujiwara a disturbed individual and unreliable witness? It's really hard to know for sure, but it is a wild ride and a fascinating tale all the same. And it goes to show that alien abduction accounts can be truly surreal affairs, to be sure. And with that, my darlings, we have come to the end of today's episode. And I thank you for joining me here today. I hope you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think. And by the way, if you've ever been abducted by an alien, write the story out because I want to hear it. I'm just saying. You might be on the show. All right. Well, you can always reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a suggestion for a future show, you just want to tell me what you think, you're bored and you need somebody to talk to, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. And on that note, that is all the time that I have this evening. I do thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And you guessed it, my darlings. Don't forget to tune in next time. See you, my heathens. I love you. Mwah, 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 mwah. We don't sugarcoat shit. <laughs> this is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.